Hello dear friends, this is Moonly Team and Moonly Podcast. To this space we invite spiritual masters and practitioners we've met along our journey. These magical people follow their destiny and share stories and tools to help others get closer to their inner light. You can get the support you need Get new knowledge and inspiration through articles and meditations on Moonly app. Katya Kulik, a life coach, an author, and an English voice of Moonly Meditations. This podcast discusses meditation and how it could change one's reality and bring one to another level of self-love and acceptance. Katya talks about her path as a meditation guide, the different layers of practice that are locked in the process, the criteria for this progress, and how practice can support us during the transition. Interviewed by Ira Kankova. Hi Katya, happy to have you here. Tell us more about yourself and uh, how did you connect to Moonly? Uh, my name is Katya Kulik uh, and I am a meditation guide and also a life coach. And I guess my mission is to support humans uh, in understanding their deep wishes inside and fulfilling them and putting them into practice. Uh, I am also a writer. Uh, I have three books published in Ukrainian. Uh, and even though all of these books are about travels and fun and adventures about different countries, uh, people say that they are mostly about allowing yourself to be your authentic self. So I would say that I am living this journey of exploring life and how to be as authentic as I can in this life and supporting all the humans that I meet on the way and who are also eager to live a vibrant, authentic life. And with Moonly, we had a very nice story <laughs> with you, Irina. Um, back in 2013, I guess, or earlier, when I was a coach on a meditation website, the project was called, it's still there, the project is called Peace Revolution. And we have a 42-day program where people can study meditation. This is how I learned meditation. I encountered it in 2011. In 2012, I did the program. So I was a coach on the website and I was supporting people who were starting their journey with that method of meditation from Thailand. And I saw you, um, when you were writing your feedbacks about your practice, it looked like poetry. And I loved reading you. I think you took about 10 or 11 days with the program and then you disappeared and moved on. But then we somehow reconnected. I maybe shared my email with you or something and Instagram was just appearing back in the day. I was following you on Instagram and you ended up coming to Thailand. So I didn't have any second thoughts and any doubts. I just invited you to come visit me. And I remember when we shared the same bed and we shared um, a journey to the salad bar that I loved. And I felt it was so natural that uh, I have known you forever and I probably have known you forever. So for me, this is a very magical story. And you were the first person that I called uh, soul sister. I learned this term from you. And after you, I have met a lot of soul sisters in my life and understood the importance of them. Um, so after that, we went to travel with a monk in Armenia and Georgia together. And uh, I was organizing these sessions and you were taking photos. And it was in 2016. Can you believe it? That was the last time we saw each other in person. But somehow through social media, I feel this connection to you as if I traveled with you to California, as if I traveled with you to your sound healing journeys and helping you creating states for others. 
Um, I just love this opportunity that social media gives us to connect. And I remember when you messaged me, I think it was the beginning of 2021, you said that you had this project in mind where we could connect deeper and bring our mission together. And you suggested us to have a call with Olga, who was in Bali at the moment. And we discussed Moonly Meditations. I had no idea they were going to be so magical. I just trusted the journey and trusted the space. I remember our first connection was really nice. Um, at that moment, I felt like I was chasing something all the time. Like I had so many projects and I was always catching up and rushing, rushing, rushing. And then in the space that you created in the Zoom room, we were speaking and it was as if the moment stopped and you were holding space for this conversation that was very magical and natural. And I remember I really liked the sense of this conversation and I wanted more of it. So of course I wanted to be a part of uh, Moonly. And I also feel that even though I had been teaching meditations for years before you offered me to record them for Moonly, I somehow didn't value my voice as much as I started valuing it after. It was as if you and Olga helped me see my voice differently and appreciate it way more. Thank you. Wow, what a story. Lots of memories rise while you were speaking. And I remember our encounter in Thailand. It was like a start of a soul friendship. And uh, as my meditation coach in the program, you were so supportive, so uplifting, bringing joy. And this kind of energy is... I would like to, uh, you know, to transcend uh, to Moonly. When it came to English uh, voiceover, so you came into my mind at the same time. How did meditation enter your life? And how did you find yourself in Thailand and become a meditation mentor? Throughout my life, I have been really connected to uh, languages and to traveling and my main interest and excitement came from learning other cultures and going to places that were different than my home. And of course, I chose to study Chinese language as my university degree just to go as far as I could in my understanding of other cultures. Uh, so once I finished my bachelor's, I decided to go to uh, China, um, to a very remote place in China, southwest China. It's a city called Kunming, uh, to do my master's. And my master's was in enterprise management, <laughs> which was completely different from my passions, but I guess that was another angle of exploration. As soon as I arrived there, I realized I needed to study a lot of math because it was something not so perfect in my life. And at that moment, I found a website of student opportunities which shared an online meditation program. In 2011, there was no online courses or online opportunities. And this was a program where you can study meditation online, get feedback from a coach. And it sounded very exciting, but I postponed it because I needed to study math for my degree. <laughs> So I saw the opportunity, it excited me a lot, and then I postponed it. And it happened so that in that one year in Kunming, I met uh, a beautiful human whom I thought was going to be my life partner. And we really connected, we fell in love. And in summer 2012, he died unexpectedly. For me, it was the most traumatic event of my life at that moment. Uh, up to the point that I forgot uh, the pin codes for my bank cards and I was really devastated. I decided to go back to China and my life changed a lot. Uh, I became very introverted. I only let in a couple of people into my life and I was working a lot just to fill in the space of my life with something meaningful. And one time at work, I was teaching English back then, 
I remember, I remember I was standing in front of a window and there was this sunshine going through the window at my face. It's as if the sunshine reminded me and I had this insight, something clicked inside my head and I said, oh, I remember the meditation program and I got so excited about it. It's as if I was in this very dark tunnel where I couldn't find a way out. Uh, and then this meditation program shone the light at me and I thought, okay, that's going to be a way out. So I ran downstairs. It was the end of my workday. I ran downstairs, I got my bicycle and I rode back home and I got so excited. I registered online and I did this meditation program and I started meditating every day for half an hour, which was hell because my mind was running everywhere and it was really difficult for my body as well. So right now when I teach meditation, I help people get really aware that their body is going to find, try to find the way out of this practice and it's totally okay to start with a fewer minutes or allowing yourself to understand that your body is gonna be in pain. So I meditated like this for two weeks and then a friend of mine called who knew the situation I was in. He knew I had lost my partner, he knew I was really devastated. I picked up and I said hi and he said, what happened to you? Your voice has changed. And I said, well, I've been meditating. And he was really impressed actually, because I was really calm and I was not crying. <laughs> and uh, later this friend came to a retreat that I was facilitating in Thailand. He learned how to meditate. And I remember he wrote a post that he was meditating every day since then for five years and how it had changed his life. So I never meditated every day for five years. I'm really proud of him. And uh, by the end of that 42 day journey, I learned that my parents were going to get divorced. And that was another thing that hit me very hard. Remember in 2012, they were saying uh, it was the end of the world and <laughs> We even had a party in Kunming that was called the end of the world party and we even had tickets bought to that party but I couldn't go because I had a terrible uh, toothache and right now from the perspective of how my understanding of the world shifted I understand that probably there was some kind of information downloading into my body and I had to be still and maybe that's why I had a toothache at the moment but back then I was feeling very unfair that I couldn't go to the end of the world party <laughs> and that my world was falling apart. So it was a bit like, I don't remember exactly, it was November or December 2012 and my mom told me, my dad was living in Malawi in Africa back then, he's still living there. My mom told me that my dad's friend was pregnant and that was my dad's uh, child. And I was really angry that I learned it from my mom, not from my dad. And later I learned that there was a lot of drama involved in that. And I even got in a fight with my dad up to the point that I didn't talk to him for about almost a year. And he's my hero. He's my favorite human. I love him. I look up to him. We have a very sacred space among us. I can tell him anything. Um, so it was a huge heartbreak and I felt like I was falling back down into this tunnel even though I was meditating at that time and I was invited for a retreat in Thailand where I was going to learn more meditation from the monks and I had an interview the next day after I learned that my family was falling apart and my family was the only pillar that was holding me back together after the death of my partner. So I had this interview with a woman in Thailand. I think she was from Switzerland and she was a meditator and we just needed to call each other to check in if that retreat was something that suited me and if I were the right suit for their scholarship because it was a scholarship. Um, I didn't want to cancel the call just to respect her time. I wanted to tell her in person, look, my life is falling apart and I'm not gonna come to your retreat because it's not something that I can handle right now. I need to just focus on how everything is being destroyed in my life and uh, she picked like the next day she called me I picked up my Skype we used Skype back then and I heard her voice and her voice was like a wave of deep peace that just entered into my ear 
and I totally changed my mind just in a second and I decided whatever this woman has to offer I'm going to get it from her in Thailand I don't care what happens I need to go to that retreat so I was going to tell her I was quitting but actually her voice just her voice changed my mind and probably changed my life forever and I'm so grateful her name was Mirella uh, I'm so grateful for Mirella showing me the miracle of meditation in action um, and for changing my life because after that I went to Thailand and I experienced what I was looking for. I was looking for answers. How do I continue living without this person that I loved so much? And I got my answers and my life continued and it bloomed from then on and now it's been 10 years your story touching me so much when i first heard it and uh, i wanted our listeners to know it as well i am amazed by your vulnerability and how the meditation changed the situation in your life and i want to ask what is the miracle of this practice how would you explain meditation to somebody who has never heard about it? Uh, thank you for this question. It makes me reflect again. Uh, I think that as our practice deepens, we get new and new meanings for it and new understandings for ourselves. Uh, and so when I first started practicing, uh, my main goal was to switch off the negative emotions that were overwhelming me and overpouring me. Um, and as I continued with the method, which was very useful for me at that moment, and it's still a beautiful method, uh, yet for me it's a little bit too much on the masculine energy side. That's why I transitioned from it. Uh, so when I was first learning and teaching meditation, for me, it was about stilling the mind and putting the mind in one point. And like this, by focusing on one thought, I got to disconnect from the 60,000 thoughts that we think daily and to have some space for the no thinking part of me. Uh, and it worked perfectly. <laughs> and it felt like magic. <laughs> So later, when I taught meditation, and even now I teach meditation in companies to people, I still explain it this way because it's easy to understand. And for people who don't use it for spiritual growth, but for psychological advantages, for daily mental health practice, uh, they don't need to talk about energies, for example, or something that we are feeling right now when we go deeper and becoming more sensitive. Uh, it's enough to understand that we still the mind, we slow down our thoughts and we get more space for the whole of ourselves in this moment. And right now the method that I practice is very different. I think that it was deeply influenced by the practices that you collected uh, in Moonly app and also by my Vipassana practice. I did uh, Vipassana by Goenka twice and it was miraculous. It's the hardest work in meditation you can imagine and it's the most rewarding when you simply connect to the sensations of your body. And like this you don't need to still your mind because there is thousands, millions of sensations inside your body all the time, but your mind gets to focus on all of them and it really doesn't have space to think all the other thoughts if the focus is there. So right now for me, meditation, the same as yoga, and since meditation is a part of yogic path, it's, uh, if I could describe it with one word, it's union. It's connecting uh, to me, to the surrounding space, to nature, to the wholesomeness of life and experiencing it from all aspects and accepting all aspects all at once. And I just remembered that once I had this beautiful insight that God is the possibility of everything at all times. And in this way, if I connect to this insight, meditation is connecting to God as well for me. Um, before I had many negative connotations of the word God, growing up in a family with a communist grandpa and 
um, the religion that was not necessarily suitable for me as a human. Uh, I had to go also through a lot of limiting beliefs and open up the meaning of God for me. Um, but yeah, meditation is connection, whatever it is for everyone who practices. And another beauty of it is when we connect to ourselves, we cannot be disconnected from others and their feelings. And like this, we can allow both the comfort and the discomfort in our lives. And by understanding the discomfort, we don't let it grow. So for me, what is happening in the world right now is because so many people are so disconnected from themselves, are so not accepting of themselves, that they are throwing this not acceptance at others and the conflict that was meant to be inner conflict grows to huge size. And Dalai Lama says that if we teach every eight-year-old to meditate right now, we could eliminate wars in one generation. When I started to teach meditation, I was not sure about it. I was kind of doubtful. But right now, as I look back at my 10-year-old meditation path, and it doesn't matter that it's 10 years, it's more about the depth that I managed to touch. Uh, I see that it's true. Um, the only thing is that meditation is about willingness and people start doing it when they are ready to go on this path. And you can't really force it on anyone. So if we talk our eight-year-olds into meditating, <laughs> I guess we could eliminate wars. What are success criteria of meditation? How can I understand that I have progress not to break up my practice? Probably it's way more than just a number of minutes uh, that I can spend meditating. So these are my personal criteria and they are not universal. Probably somebody else would express them differently. Uh, for me, you can tell that your practice is going in the right direction is when you can be in charge of your mind. Um, so if you imagine your, your mind as a wild horse that is running around, uh, what you do in meditation is you tie up the horse uh, around a pole and then you slowly focus yourself over one thought which can be a feeling in your body, a mantra, a visualization, whatever you choose, whatever technique you use. And then you learn to be more and more focused on this thought. And this is the practice. But when it translates into the daily life, it's about you choosing your thoughts, not allowing all of the thoughts and all of the trash that is out there in the information space to just flood over you inside your head. And it may not be so easy to notice at once, it needs a little bit of practice to notice, but your focus will start to increase and your concentration will start to increase in a very relaxed manner. So it's not that kind of focus where you are so tense that you are just like gripping onto that one thought, but that's when you observe that there is a lot of different thoughts and you're actually okay with all of them, but you're choosing the one that you're choosing right now. You're choosing it consciously. And another criteria for me personally, um, it's the increase in acceptance and you could call it self-love. The feeling of love, general increase of the feeling of love in your life. Um, so as humans, we have the part of us, ourselves that we really enjoy, um, this image of us that we created for ourselves and for the world. And that's where we are successful and um, kind and go for a jog every morning. Uh, and then there's a part of us that is in the shadow. Uh, that's the part of us and other people that we don't necessarily enjoy. And this is the what we tend to call negative emotions, which we don't necessarily enjoy. The discomfort of being a human, of being in this body, of having the uncomfortable thoughts of being angry or sad or whatever you 
cold, whatever negative emotions you experience. So sometimes not to experience all this, we push it out in the shadow and we choose not to feel it, which uh, when you start meditating, it's not just about unicorns and butterflies. You start also feeling this uncomfortable part of yourself and learning to converse with it and to embrace it and to give it love. And for me, it's the acceptance of all aspects of myself and all aspects of our collective consciousness. And it probably also gives more clarity on the reason, on the cause and effect. So we start understanding better ourselves and accepting ourselves more. This is my criteria. You learn how to focus on the thought that you need right now and you learn to accept more and more. And the more things you accept, it means the broader your consciousness gets. And what about you? What are your criteria of success in meditation? To become a co-creator of your life by realizing your reactions, your patterns, and by choosing your state, your inner state, uh, consciously. And I believe that we can really choose it. And uh, in the meditation, we can connect to different states. That's how we can attract the right people, the right events into our life, and let this flow of the life like you know, unfolding beautifully. And my second criteria is ability to connect to to the higher self and to trust to trust the soul voice and probably you don't have like the full roadmap but you are going step by step uh, even if you don't know where to put your feet next but you're listening listening and it's unfolding and that's my criteria of successful meditation when your life become the most interesting movie you can ever witnessing and you don't know what's happened next but you have this open heart of trust how did you realize that you can lead meditations by yourself what did it take to trust this path and to step up mm, like our mind always has rules for something yeah we have the identity, this is what I learned from NLP. Uh, we have an identity that we either uh, associate ourselves with or we don't. And then uh, if we want to associate with this identity, we create a set of rules which are not always reasonable <laughs> on how we should be getting into this identity. So um, a typical example is of, student, of uh, kids uh, and their parents tell them, before you grow up and start making money, you have to go to university and get a university degree. So this is a, a typical social path of how doing something before you're allowed to make money. And with a meditation uh, guide, I am sure that everyone can guide meditation if they are conscious and aware. But uh, we need some kind of permission from the outside when we just begin. To associate ourselves with this identity and I was sure that I was never gonna guide meditations in my life. I remember I came to my retreat and the, the leader of this movement, uh, Ping Ping, uh, this Thai woman, she's a very powerful Thai woman, she said, uh, okay from now on you're not allowed to um, to kill, to steal, to commit sexual misconduct, to use intoxicants and to uh, use hurtful speech on others and I was okay with everything but I was like come on I like beer I'm never gonna stop drinking beer so I'm not like if I'm not allowed to do that I'm not associating myself with that path it simply is not for me even though I came back from the retreat I didn't drink for three months or so but I was so sure that I am gonna continue drinking my beer that I didn't associate myself with this path um, just for your information, I haven't been drinking for about three years right now, not even a drop of alcohol. So um, it did work out, but um, in a rebellious way, uh, I could not accept somebody imposing limitations on me. So I started uh, just doing my own thing. 
and uh, later it was just a for me it was a coincidence of circumstances when they announced a volunteer program near a Thai temple and I ended up in that volunteer program just because I had no idea what to do with my life further. My master in China had ended, my path in China felt like it had ended and I didn't know where to move on. So um, I thought it was going to be reasonable to sit near a Thai temple and to meditate for a couple of months and that was going to bring me a little bit of clarity on my p further path. And I was planning to work uh, for some international trade organizations. So I came there and I volunteered and I really enjoyed it. And we organized a first uh, meditation retreat in Georgia in 2015 for Russian-speaking uh, people or post-Soviet countries, as we called it um, back then, um, to unite people in their peacefulness from within. And I remember when we were organizing this, I was still thinking that I was going to be volunteer and then move on with my life. And suddenly I realized that I was doing the best thing ever. It was so fulfilling. It was, it felt right. And I loved sharing meditation with people online, also as coaching. Um, so I just came to my future boss and I told her, I want to work with you. And she said, okay, when can you start? And I said, I can start in a month. I need to go to Bali and go to Ukraine and figure things out and then I can start. And so I ended up working with her and the condition for working with her was to take this certification of teaching meditation, which I actually didn't want to do, but I did it just to continue working with organizing these events. And I remember that after this certification, like there was a, a commission of like three monks and Ping Ping, my back then boss. <laughs> and uh, it was um, uncomfortable to guide meditation for them, but it was okay. I could do it. I love words. I call myself the magician of words and feelings now. My first meditation that I guided was for Lithuanian grandmothers who could speak only Russian and I was the only one in our organization who spoke Russian. So there was this girl who booked an online meeting with Lithuanian grandmothers in the village and I was sitting there and I was thinking, oh my god, this is so ridiculous. I am in Thailand, they are in Lithuania, we are going to talk online, it's not gonna make sense, it's so ridiculous. And I was sitting there like convinced it was super ridiculous and then I still guided a meditation for them and I remember that I felt so good after that meditation and I looked at these grandmothers and they were asking me questions and they were sharing that they never felt so relaxed and that it was so beautiful and that was the moment which told me okay I have to be serious about it I have to do it like it works and I, my partner that I'm with uh, right now, we have been together for over four years. I met him at that first meditation retreat I did in Georgia, actually in 2015. He's Ukrainian as well. <laughs> and we have this joke inside our family. When I get a little bit too agitated, I tell him I'm going to go meditate. Not just about the relationship, but also about anything from work or the world. So I go and meditate and then I come out and I tell him, you know meditation actually works and he's like yeah so meditation actually works right so because meditation is so subtle you cannot do an x-ray and check how you were before and how you were after meditation so even after teaching it for so many years we still have this joke that it actually works <laughs> i believe that you've been witnessing lots of stories of people of different countries on changes that meditation brought to their lives? One of the most memorable stories for me uh, was just because it was the result was so obvious. Uh, because often we meditate and we feel that it gives us a, a huge benefit, but we can't specify it. And that's why our mind doesn't have something to hold on to. And sometimes we may lose the practice if we go out of this vibe uh, and out of the discipline. But these stories that I heard, um, they were so obvious because they gave like a physical benefit almost. So there was a guy from Cuba who came to our retreat. His name's Leo. He said he had a high blood pressure problem 
and his doctor told him to meditate and he started meditating and he noticed that if he meditates two hours a day his blood pressure is okay and if he doesn't meditate two hours a day his blood pressure is off so it was like his body forced him to meditate two hours a day and that's how he got into this practice and um, another story was by this uh, Uzbek girl she was studying in her masters I guess when you think a lot your mind starts running so fast that you get so much energy in your head that it doesn't distribute evenly all over you and you may feel overwhelmed I know this because my mind is very quick um, so she was a bit overwhelmed with her studies and she couldn't sleep and she googled on how to deal with this and she found our program our online program on Google and she came to our she started sleeping perfectly after meditating in the evenings she came to our retreat and we used to give out we used to hand out these t-shirts that said you can't find peace on Google <laughs> and on the back it said because peace is inside <laughs> and so many people came to our retreats and said you know we actually found your program on Google <laughs> There was a beautiful uh, connection that I had recently. So I live in the countryside in Ukraine. And I think one of the reasons I picked this place is because nature is majestic. This is definitely a power place for me and a place where I charge myself up. But also because humans here are very different than me. Because I watch Games of Thrones uh, in the summertime with my windows open while they are digging their potatoes and planting tobacco and we have totally different lifestyles and I completely love it because I love to put myself out into the space where people are so different from me that I can learn the most from them. So in my village I tried to teach one woman to meditate. She didn't really click with it and then I met a guy who is from my village uh, but he was working in Poland and living in Poland and we started connecting online and I was sharing things with him uh, and I knew that he had lost his job and he was not really in the position to pay for the retreat so I came up with this uh, idea that I was organizing a retreat in August last year I came up with a scholarship place for my retreat and I asked uh, some of my uh, meditators abroad to pay for this scholarship. So it was like somebody was giving and being excited and he was receiving and also getting the benefits and I made a scholarship for him to join us and he did and he really enjoyed it. He came back to some of my paid events later online. Um, Recently I was traveling to Sweden and now this guy lives in Sweden and I think I've shared this dream with you before and it would be lovely if I have the honor of sharing this dream here on this podcast which hopefully some of the meditators who had joined me earlier will hear um, that we bought this land um, one and a half year ago uh, and we renovated an old house that is made of adobe which is a traditional Ukrainian technique and we now live in this house and we have one quarter of hectare of land which is a hill and I imagine uh, little houses made of adobe here uh, and a big transparent yoga dome to have uh, retreats uh, in this space and to charge the land with some good energy and also to support everyone who needs this loving kindness and um, when we had this retreat I saw it so clearly that I need to do it and I have no idea how it's going to happen but I feel that it's just shining through me so much it's not you know they say your desire is actually a desire of the universe coming through you so I had this vision of how it's supposed to be where the little houses should be and that this guy he will probably work with me he will come back to this village and he's going to work with me I never told him this and then I also have another friend of mine who cooks amazing food who would be cooking and right now she's also abroad but I already imagined it all in my mind so I was going to Sweden and this guy lives in Sweden and he wrote to me and uh, 
he had paid me for some previous retreat he didn't manage to attend obviously because of the events in Ukraine um, and I said you know what I'm doing my last retreat in the Carpathians this summer and probably I'm not gonna do it anymore because it's very tiring it takes a lot of my energy the organization and I don't know like I was maybe in a low point I had missed my flight and I was tired and he wrote to me like these two huge messages on how I completely changed his life, on how he was like uh, broke and did, broke up with his girlfriend and didn't know what to do with his health and his finance when he came to this retreat in August, which was a scholarship by uh, one, one client of mine. Um, and that now he's totally different and that he feels so good about himself. And that was the meditation and also the coaching that we did there. And the Be most beautiful thing he said is um, I am sure that you're going to do more retreats and when you have your retreat site I would love to work with you and to uh, work in your retreat site in our village I really want to come back there and be of use there and for me it was like oh my god we are so connected we don't even need to use words to express this and I'm very grateful for what he said to me, even though I didn't even write back to him. I was like in a little bit chaotic place. So maybe he's gonna listen to this. <laughs> you've been studying traditional meditation techniques and you've mentioned that moonly meditations are pretty different. How would you describe this difference? I think it's probably because my mind is very curious and moves a lot. That's why I tried a lot of techniques. And the one that I was sticking to for a long time is this Theravada uh, Buddhism from Thailand technique that is called Dhammakaya, which is focusing in the center of your body. They also call it the middle way, where you use anything. And it's a type of Samadhi, which is opposed to Vipassana. So Samadhi is when you... Um, focus on a point or you use you can use visualization or mantra uh, or breathing to focus on this point and we were very much focused on one point and if something clicks in you and it happened to me a couple of times you can really go into an inner body that is vibrating completely different and you feel this overwhelm of bliss and You understand why monks don't need to have sex at all because it's a totally different kind of blissfulness that you can live mm, but for me there is still a lot of focus in this uh, technique in this practice and um, when I moved to Vipassana that's also focus but the focus is shifting all the time that's why the uh, That's why your mind can't get lost so quickly, because if you're focusing on one point, you can get wandering in your thoughts for half an hour and then come back to this point and not notice how long you were away. And with your body scan, uh, you are always in your sensations. So there are two different opposite techniques, the Samadhi and Vipassana, and they both work for sure. And they are both probably suitable for different people in different conditions, Uh, and times of their lives. And when I started doing moonly meditations, I feel that they have a lot more yin energy, like this flowy uh, connection to feelings. And they also work somehow like alchemy uh, inside you. So as you said, our state defines everything. And our state is created by us in 80% of cases, there is a certain influence of circumstances when they break in and they force us to feel something that we are not creating. But we are creators of our state. We can learn how to create our state and we can use tools on how to create different states. And for me, Moonly is this alchemical tool on creation of different states. And I know that you are the magician who really influenced it because I know you love working with states. And for me, it's like one big magic that was made of the magic of different teachers. And I see how you combined it so organically that you can't tell the difference. Like you can't really say that, okay, this meditation is very different from that one because there is... Um, 
a vibe, like a moonly vibe to them somehow. I don't know how to explain it myself. But then it, a very interesting thing happened to me as well. I thought that you can't combine, um, for example, body scanning and visualization. And after I recorded these meditations and they went through me because I felt that I was definitely not a human Katya that was recording them, but I was a channel Katya that was disconnected from my human emotions or whatever you call them. I was the voice that was channeling these meditations at that time when I was recording them. So when they went through me, it somehow... And I know that you are also in this topic of non-duality. So I didn't see a duality anymore between separating the bodily sensations and visualizations. Because for me, what we, we, we visualize quite a lot in Moonly and we also have the music coming in which impacts our state. And then all of these things, they create a new sensation in your body. And that's how you create a new sensation in your body. So for me, it's like... Um, a combination of all the things that I learned before and it's a conscious choice of creating this certain state inside your body at this certain moment you open this uh, meditation library and you choose what do you want to work with today or what do you want to feel like today and um, it was beautiful impact on me and my own voice because um, when uh, uh, on the 24th of February, the, the full-scale attack on Ukraine started. I had no idea what to do because I am Ukrainian and I'm in Ukraine and I was overwhelmed like all of us. Um, and I remember you and I connected and we decided to meditate together. And that was so grounding. And I'm so, so grateful for that idea that we had because it gave birth to 100 days of meditations uh, for me, which was a project made for me, by me, <laughs> and I invited people, uh, my foreign friends, because I knew that I needed somebody who is holding a different state than everyone in Ukraine, and I invited my friends to meditate on Zoom twice a day. Uh, we did it for 100 days, we probably would be doing it by now, but I needed to travel, so the schedule was off, so we made a beautiful closure and celebration on 100 days. And what happened during this time is that instead of holding on to one meditation technique that I was used to, I started exploring a lot. And every time I came to the uh, space, I would ask my participants on what were they feeling at the moment. And based on our feelings at the moment, I would take in this information and I would just close my eyes and just ask my higher self or the universe or whoever was sending this information to me, what is the best thing for us as a group right now? And I would get these miraculous gifts from like downloading directly into my crown chakra or whatever you call it. And they were all completely different meditation practices. Something was focused on the transmuting of pain. Something was focused on connecting the sky and the earth. Something was focused on imagining ourselves as a tree that is connecting the sky and the earth. All of them were completely different. And as you said, pure creativity. Um, because when we allow ourselves to open so much we can receive miracles that we are not used to and that's why i'm sure that the future does not equal the past the past is only the structures that we know but the future holds so many gifts that we can't even imagine and so when we open up like this we receive all of these gifts and i'm so grateful on being in this journey together with you together with moonly that we can experience it and we can create a future like this I deeply appreciate your work and it's such a happiness to co-create together. I really, really thank you for introducing me to Moonly, for um, teaching me so much about myself and how to value the gifts that I have in this world and for making these meditations so magical um, that... Uh, you know, when I was in Sweden recently for two weeks, every time I went to the shower, I would turn on the gift of now and I would just enjoy. And for me, that's another feature of Moonly Meditations. Recently, I recommended uh, them to my client because she said, 
I know I should meditate. I know meditation makes me feel good, but I just don't want to do it. And I said, you know what? You should get Moonly app because the meditations, there they're just so juicy and so delicious that you just want to do it. And I don't know, maybe it's not like this for everyone, <laughs> but uh, I really love them. And for me, it's another another level of self-love as well. I was meditating with uh, this Romanian girl. I, I had an honor to guide a mindfulness practice for a group of people in Camino de Santiago in Spain recently. And this girl, we shared a room and I said, do you want to try a Moonly app and, and meditate together? And we picked one that we liked. And I told her, I absolutely love everything about this. You know, the music is amazing. The sound is amazing. The voice, the designs. And she said, I just love it how you are loving on your voice. I like it's for in my world, it's normal to say, oh, I'm not that good or blah, blah, blah like to kind of criticize yourself, to downsize yourself. And when she reflected it to me, I realized that I would probably be the same. I would probably be saying something like, oh, like whatever image of humility we have in our life. But you know what? I love my voice. I am so grateful for it. I don't know how, lo how much longer I'm going to have it. And I am so grateful that I can use it and support people and I love the music that you pick for these meditations. They are just really, it's alchemistry. <laughs> and I am so grateful to Olga also for creating this space uh, where so many magicians can meet and to all the magicians that are together with us supporting people on this transition. Thank you for this interview, Katya. Dear listeners, we invite you to meditate on Moonly app and send us your feedback to our Instagram or email. Be in contact with yourself and the world around.